I mean this with all sincerity when I say that I'm so glad to see all of your faces. Uh, but there are a couple faces I'm especially glad to see because we hadn't seen them in just a little while. Uh, Miss Delane Young is back with us after her knee surgery, and she's doing well. And on the other side, we have Miss Paula Hamilton is with us, and we are so glad to have you back as well. We are all honored that you are here, but we know the really true guest of honor is Jesus himself. He is in our presence, in our midst, and that's why we have gathered here this morning, and we're glad that you've chosen to be with us this morning. You know, Sarah Reed has a level of wit and wisdom that might be unparalleled. Her thoughts are deep and her deadpan delivery is just really impeccable. However, I did not know that she could bequeath such talents to others, but apparently she can. In fact, she shared with me in a text last week, she said, I had a hen who could count her eggs as she laid them. She was a mathema chicken. She was I know some of you else, others may have gotten that. I got that, and you, you just have to know, that's my humor. I laughed and laughed. My sides started hurting. Tears were coming, and I just kept saying, Mathema chicken. I sent it to everybody that I knew. I just loved that joke. You know, they say that laughter is the best medicine, and it's a good thing because we are popping those humor pills like it's candy. From TV shows and commercials at the water cooler with our friends and even with strangers at meetings and even to start a Sunday morning sermon. We all like to insert humor whenever we can. In fact, we're constantly using humor to help us get through the mundane and the awkward and sometimes even the tragic. I'm probably the worst to ask this, but it is is it possible that maybe we have overused or even overdosed on this humor medicine? Is there a time when a good laugh doesn't fix the problem? Maybe there's even a time where humor doesn't allow us to properly address the problem. What if putting a smile on your face is not really the best medicine for what ails you? You know, last week we examined the life of David and we concluded that the most pivotal moment in his life did not take place strumming a harp in a palace, slinging a stone in Elah Valley, sitting on the throne, or even strolling on a rooftop. The most life-changing moment for King David took place when he heard those four words, You are the man. You see, it was at that point that David's heart was broken. He would later compose a song that would describe his sin, his brokenness, his grief, and his heinous acts. You see, there was not a punchline, a rim shot, or an audience applause that could gloss over the lying, the adultery, and the murder. David's sin was not a laughing matter. 
So David just leaned in to his grief, his guilt, and the pain that resulted from it. And I just want you to know this morning that even while we like to laugh about things, God is okay with your brokenness. He is comfortable with your pain and he's not afraid of your tears. Have you ever thought about what we don't read in John eleven thirty six? Can anybody remember what's in John eleven thirty five? Mary, Martha are there, and they're there at the tomb of Lazarus. And Lazarus has died, and Jesus does something that may seem a little surprising. He weeps. But what I think is really interesting about John 11.35 is what we don't read in John 11.36. No one tells Jesus to stop crying. There is no there there. There is no shushing. There is no awkward joke to break the tension. No one starts off in this theological discussion of why Jesus really shouldn't be crying because God has another angel in heaven now. What is interesting is the comment made among the Jews as they see Jesus there crying. They simply say, see how he loved him. They didn't try to stop him. There was no pandering. There was no trying to stop this from happening. Instead, they noticed that his tears simply were a sign of the love that he had for Lazarus. You know, the Jews were at times really good at lamenting. While we don't read of Jesus cracking jokes, we do see him breaking down. Not just in John chapter 11, also in the garden. As he pleads, as he begs for another way to be freed from what is about to take place. And then later on the cross, when he questions God. Notice that Jesus chose to quote Psalm 22 on the cross rather than the more popular Psalm 23. Instead of the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We all know that when we learned that in Bible school. Instead, he goes to the chapter before And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? You see, the truth is we are moved oftentimes more through our losses than through our victories. And we are changed not by our laughter, but by our tears. But for some reason, we are all so uncomfortable with grief that we want to usher it across the room, over to the other side of the street, and out of sight. 
we just don't like it. As individuals, we want to cover it up, push it away, and turn aside. And some of us like to talk, it, talk about it theologically as though God doesn't want us to cry. As though it's not appropriate. And in fact, some people will even suggest that if you are grieving, well then maybe that's a lack of faith. But that's not found throughout the Bible and Jesus doesn't act that way at all. There are times that he finds himself overwhelmed with grief and he expresses it. And unfortunately, churches don't always do a really good job of it either. You come in here and we want you smiling and happy. And we want to pretend that everything is going great. But for some of us at different times in our lives, we just don't feel that way. After losing his daughter, one preacher commented, I'll agree to having a praise team as long as we also have a lament team too. The idea that it's okay to praise and be joyful, but we never want to talk about grief. We never want to address sadness. You know, as we've looked through the book of James on Wednesday nights, we came across a few verses that are both powerful and confusing. In chapter 4, James tells us to submit to God. Well, that makes sense. And to resist the devil. Well, that's biblical. And, and to draw near to God. Well, why would we want to? And to wash our hands. Well, we've been told that since we were kids. But then comes the confusing part. James commands us to turn our laughter into mourning and our joy to grief. Why? Why would he do this? You know, Paul will suggest something completely different. He tells us to have joy. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, this is not only a scripture that we can quote, but we've put it to music. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. We smile and we laugh and we clap as we say those words. So who do we listen to? The joyful Paul or the weeping James? I think the correct answer is yes. We're all familiar with Ecclesiastes, it also was turned into a song, not one that we sing in Sunday school. But Ecclesiastes reminds us that there is a time for everything. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. I've taken several classes over the years, but there are a few that have really stuck with me throughout my ministry. The Gospel of Luke in undergrad by Tony Ash taught me to love Bible study. Spiritual formation with Dr. Seibert helped me to form disciplines that fuel my ministry. Conflict management in churches was a super interesting, but thanks to you, a largely unused class that I took also with Seibert. But ministry in times of grieving, 
with Dr. Virgil Fry has served me time and time again as I attempt to minister to those in this hurting world. In fact, much of the material this morning came from a, a Q&A sermon with Dr. Fry and Jay Bailey at the Legacy Church of Christ in North Richland Hills. Dr. Fry has reinforced the belief that grief is often personal, but it is rarely private. He has reminded me that it does not necessarily involve a death, nor even a sad event. Sometimes grief is caused by a change of any kind. Think of some happy times in your life that have led to change. And maybe you didn't use that word, but it really kind of led to some form of grief. A wedding is a time of celebration. But for some people, that change leads to a little bit of grief, maybe a promotion or even a graduation. Those celebrations all can lead to grief. And then honestly, they should in some ways. You know, dropping off Wyatt this last week was easier than last year, and our Trail of tears did not last from Abilene to Snyder like it did last fall. But there was some time of mourning on the way home. David's life was changed not while he was in a state of denial and cover-up, but when he realized he was not the man he had pretended to be. You see, the awareness of sin led to brokenness, which led to grief, which then led to change. You know, Jesus says something very interesting in John chapter 12. He knows the time has now come. People are looking for him and the hour is near. And he says, it is now the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. He says, very truly I tell you, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus is reminding his disciples as they're clinging on to him, as they still have this grand idea of what the kingdom is going to look like and how he's going to set it up on earth. Jesus says, I can't remain living. In order for fruit to be produced, something has to die. How prophetic it was that it would be the death of Jesus that would lead to life for all of us. Somebody answer me this. Where does the phoenix come from? It rises from the ashes. We all know the answer to that. But let me ask you this. Where do the ashes come from? They come from something that is no more. In order for us to continue to grow, we have to realize that something has to die. 
we're going to spend some time in class, and I hope you hang around for this. There's an article I'm going to read, some excerpts from, from Dr. Fry. It's entitled, Losses Along the Way, The Role of Grief in Our Spiritual Journey. And while you oftentimes think of your spiritual journey or your life based on the good times, I think we are more influenced by our difficulties. And sometimes those difficulties take the shape of losing a loved one, but sometimes it's something just a little different. Several years ago, Dr. Ref Dr. Fry recalled a scene in Houston just weeks after Hurricane Harvey had devastated South Texas, dropping 50 inches of rain in just two days. Now, I know some of you think that we nearly had that the last two days because we had somewhere over an inch. And praise God for that rain. But he recalls going up and down the streets and the city had asked, the, the homeowners to take all the damaged stuff out of their house and place it next to the curb so that it could be hauled off. And he said he remembers going up and down those streets and just seeing these huge mounds of, of furniture and of clothes and even of some things that at one time would have been considered heirlooms and now they're just sitting on the sidewalk. And he says he remembers this large truck coming by and it had this claw on it that would come out of the side and it would pluck up these pieces of furniture and drop them into the dumpster as it rolled down the street and one thing that people kept saying over and over again is remember it's just stuff we didn't lose life and so that's okay and I agree with that I agree that people are always more important than stuff but sometimes stuff and losing that stuff can be really painful. In our times of tragedy and loss, maybe just in times of dis-ease, we can sometimes say, oh, we don't really need to grieve that. Something worse is happening to somebody else right now. But the fact is, is that that furniture, those clothes, those heirlooms that were being thrown into the dumpster, they meant something to people. There was a connection. And so it's okay to grieve. We don't have to say, no, that's, somebody has it worse than I do. I really shouldn't grieve. Grieving is important. Grieving, according to the actions of Jesus, is godly. In fact, grieve, grieving is healthy. Because until we recognize and acknowledge a loss, we can't really move on from it. And I just wonder, how many of us in this room are struggling with a loss of some kind. I'll confess to you, my, my grief takes place every time I walk into the core. 
And I know that sounds silly, but that's a place where Wyatt and I always had something special. And we would go in there and we would talk and we would laugh and we would try to work out. He did a lot more than I did. I'm a lot older now. <laughs> and the truth is, when you get older, you may think you can do the things that you used to do, but the reality is you pay for it a lot more when you're done. But I can tell you last summer, I, he, he left for school and I, I had done fine the whole time. And I was, I was walking out of the, the core last, last fall, the first time I'd worked out, and it just this weird thing happened. There was a song that was, for some reason, kept, was always being played over the speakers every time that we were there. And it was kind of an unusual song, but we just kind of laughed, and we even joked like, oh, well, that's our workout song. That song came on as I was walking out of the core, I stumbled out of those doors. And for some weird, crazy reason, my whole, ever since we were married, ever since that we had kids, we would say our goal is to get our kids out of the house. Wyatt was doing well. He was going off to school. Things were going well. And I literally had my hands on my knees outside of the core. I could not stand up. I sobbed outside. Because of a really great moment that had taken place that led to a change, that led to some loss, and ultimately led to some grief. Why do I want to talk about this on a Sunday morning? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, I want you to know that if you are heartbroken and you are hurting right now, God is okay with that. God... God understands that you have grief and loss. He doesn't there there you. He doesn't shush you. He doesn't tell you that you need more faith. He longs to embrace you. But I also want to share it this morning because I know that, that as a church and as a culture, we are losing things that we held so dear morals and beliefs the ability to to pray in public places and and to speak freely about our religion is now something that we are losing and what do we do do we laugh about it do we ignore it or can we possibly grieve that and in letting that loss sink in we can find new ways for growth to come about. Whether you're here grieving over a, a son heading off to school, the loss of a loved one, maybe a co-worker retiring, just know that God loves our joy and He accepts our grief and pain. And so this morning, we're going to sing a song of invitation. And it's an opportunity if you want to come forward and, and say you need prayers. Maybe you want to confess a struggle that you have. Maybe you want to stand right where you are and just know that God loves you even in your grief. I want to give you an opportunity. I want to invite you to do that this morning as we stand and sing.
Vaughn.